This is an ABC podcast. So as the only member of the podcast team in Queensland, have you had the flu yet? I'm actually not in Queensland at the moment. I'm in Melbourne. But no, I had my flu shot the other day, um, hoping to continue to dodge the flu itself. How about you? I don't think I've had it yet. Well, let's do a podcast all about basically everything but the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday, the 25th of May, 2022. We have spent two years talking about the coronavirus, so let's just mix it up a little bit today and talk about some different infectious diseases because, boy, are there infectious diseases around at the moment. Yeah, viracast, viracast. <laughs> Pandemic something, I don't know. Send us in your snappy suggestions for a new title for this podcast. Uh, we'll talk about the flu in a little bit, but one of the questions that we've been getting a lot about this last week or so is monkeypox. And I've got to say, whoever's naming viruses these days has um, needs a job in a marketing agency. But basically, Amanda's saying, I know this podcast is all about COVID-19, but you have covered other epidemics before. Should we be worried about monkeypox? Are we just starting to climb our way out of one pandemic only to fall into another? Hey, why disappoint us here? You know, Corona cancer has got to continue in some shape or form. You know, give us something to cling on to. <laughs> No, this is not going to turn into another pandemic. Somebody just sent me, interestingly, um, a paper from many, many years ago on the 1958 appearance of monkeypox, where it was really, it was first described in the 1950s, and it actually was described in primates. And, uh, you know, it was in orangutans and, and uh, and various primate species. But even so, as we've discovered as the years gone by, Whilst monkeys and other primates can get it, as can humans, and it was first described in humans in 1970, um, it's it's really an infection mainly in rodents and it spreads from there into other animals. So a little bit, a little bit of background on monkeypox. It's endemic in Africa. And there's two lineages, one's in West Africa and the other's in Central Africa. The West African one is milder than the Central African one, the, but still they're both can be quite severe. The West African one has a mortality rate of about 1%, it's thought, and the Central African one up to 10%. And there's been a resurgence in Africa over the last few years, maybe last five or six years, which have been quite well described, one of which is quite well described by Professor Rhina McIntyre. The reasons for the upsurge are really not known. 1980 was roughly when smallpox vaccination stopped. Now, smallpox is a relation of monkeypox and the vaccine cross-reacts. So you get cross-protection from the smallpox vaccine. And so declining immunity in the community to smallpox. And the other factor is deforestation. People moving into deforested areas, coming in contact with animals that carry the monkeypox virus and then spreading from there and then into other human populations. So there have been quite a few cases in Nigeria this year and there have been about 1,200 cases in the Democratic Republic of Congo um, since the beginning of this year. So it's um, off and running and has now spread to um, non-endemic countries in Europe and in Australia. So some of the drivers you mentioned there, like deforestation and that sort of thing, are things that we talked about with the origins of COVID. Why do you say monkeypox wouldn't be a pandemic virus when COVID is? Well, it could mutate, but I think it's the contagiousness and the ability to control it. Remember what made the three things that made COVID-19 
a pandemic virus. The key one was a short incubation period. In other words, it's in your body for a very short space of time before symptoms come out and before you're infectious. And the second one was you're infectious when you don't know it. And the third is that it mutates and becomes more contagious as time goes on. So it's a contagious virus. It's a dangerous virus. And you spread it without knowing it. So with monkeypox, the incubation period is actually quite long, a week or two. So when you've discovered you've got it, there's time to contact trace and then isolate and then put a ring around it. There's also the possibility of vaccination because the smallpox vaccine does work. And there are a couple of antiviral drugs that probably work in monkeypox as well. So unlike COVID-19 where we had nothing, we actually do have some tools with monkeypox. And inherently, it's probably not as contagious, at least at the moment. So it's spread by um, it's the respiratory route. It's a respiratory virus, but also by in contact with the lesions. And I should explain what it is, I mean, in terms of what you get. When you get infected, if you get a prodrome and not everybody gets it, that's the sort of warm-up to... That's your syndrome before you actually get sick properly. That's right, but not everybody gets it, but it's fever, feeling lousy, swollen nodes. And then what happens is you come out in, um, in pox, which are specific lesions on your skin. Now, which are a bit like chicken pox, but chicken pox is on your trunk. It's central on your body. Smallpox and monkeypox are peripheral. They're on your hands, on your face, on your feet. And in this case, also on your groin. And the whilst you primarily it's thought that you spread it respiratory-wise, it's also thought that you can spread it through contact with the lesions. And it takes a while to be non-infectious because the lesions have all got to heal and return to effectively normal skin. So to answer Amanda's question, how worried are we about it? Is it one of these things that we're just so sensitised to pandemics now that every time there's a new sounding virus that we're kind of panicking? Or is there more to it than that? Well, it, it could spread. At the moment, it, the most cases, or if not all cases, have been reported in men in either the gay community, bisexual community, or men who have sex with men. And of course, it could have spread beyond those groups, but those are the first groups to be reported. So I think it's an issue for those communities. Luckily, the gay community is very coherent in most countries, particularly Australia, and very health conscious. And they're used to contact tracing from their experience with uh, HIV and other sexually transmissible diseases. It may spread or have already spread to the rest of the community. And it's just something we need to watch out for and control. It's it could spread more widely and it does have 1% mortality rate, so it's not something to be to be relaxed about at all. So watch and be aware, but don't panic too much. So that's one virus that probably most of us had never heard of before to another virus that everyone's heard of. And we kept saying COVID's just like influenza. But of course, influenza is actually a really big deal. It kills hundreds of people in a typical year and it's really back with a vengeance this year now that the borders are open again. Yeah. So if you start with the global situation, globally, there was in 2021 and previously, there were very few cases globally because we were locked down. We weren't traveling that much. But when you start looking um, towards the end of you know, the winter on, in the northern hemisphere, you definitely got a surge of influenza. And now you're seeing a surge in the southern hemisphere and you're seeing it definitely in Australia with uh, many thousands of cases, over 10,000 cases proven by testing, at least in the, in, the, in the Australian surveillance system for influenza. Remember, that's almost certainly a 
gross underestimate of how many cases there are, and about 4,000 cases reported in Queensland, which is disproportionately high in terms of uh, jurisdictions around Australia. Although if you look at a map, which is really a crowdsourced map of cases in Australia, it's pretty dense right round the coastal fringe of Australia. So you mentioned that it was under probably underreported, and that's generally the case across the board, but would we be seeing more reported cases of flu this year than we would have, say, in 2019 or 2018, just because we're so much better at testing respiratory viruses now? 2019 was a pretty big year for the flu. I think from memory there were about 300,000 cases, so it was a very big year for the flu. The key thing for influenza is how virulent it is and how likely it is to put you in hospital. And that's, I suspect, I suspect what Queensland is really worried about. And that's what the vaccine does very well to about a 60% effective efficacy is actually save you from it going into hospital and becoming seriously ill. It's not particularly good at preventing infection, but it is good at preventing severity. If you look at the cases in Australia to date, it's people aged 15 to 24 and children under 10 who are who have been notified most with influenza. And kids are particularly at risk, particularly young kids are particularly at risk from influenza, as are the elderly and people with uh, comorbidities and Aboriginal people aged over 50. So everybody needs to be protected, but the groups of people being infected are very vulnerable to serious disease. So each year they've got to try to guess which strains of flu are going to be circulating and that that's what goes into the quadrivalent vaccine that we get. Did they pick the right ones? Did we bet on the right, right horse? Yeah, they hit the bullseye this year, both globally and in Australia. So there are three, essentially three viruses being detected, two influenza A. By the way, influenza A is the form of influenza that can become a pandemic virus, but this is a seasonal virus this year, not a pandemic virus. And the two that have been detected are those that are in the vaccine. Um, the third one, which is an influenza B, is not in the vaccine, but at the moment that's only 1% or 2% of the cases detected. So we're in pretty good shape in terms of the vaccine. So we focused a lot on COVID vaccination this past couple of months and we're, we're pretty well covered for COVID vaccination. Queensland, you mentioned my home state before, is now saying that they're going to give a free flu shot for anyone in Queensland that wants one. Is that something that would be worthwhile other states and territories considering? Yeah, because we've got an overburdened hospital system. We've got people with chronic disease who've not been properly treated during the pandemic and are turning up in hospital as well as um, a major surge of COVID-19. Remember, this is Chronicast, we can't not mention it at all. <laughs> and therefore, the hospital system is, is very burdened. And if you can reduce that, then lives will be saved simply by unburdening the emergency departments and allowing people who are acutely ill with other problems to be treated. So get your coronavirus booster if you haven't already got it and get your flu jab. Yeah, because I think 15% is what I'd heard so far. We want to get it up to 70 or 80%. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast, MonkeypoxCast, Flucast for today, and we'll be back in your feed again next Wednesday. We definitely shall.